Alrighty, welcome back to Chaos Movies. This weekend, I figured I would touch on a, a movie I've watched several times and, man, I love it. It's an action thriller. Great. Watch it. It's entertaining. <clears throat> it's got what you need. Excuse me. Sorry about that. It's got what you need. I mean, I watched it, as I said, I watched it a few times and, and every time I watch it, I see the holes and but I also see the, the the excitement, the enjoyment. Same thing you get from Oceans, eleven, twelve, and thirteen. Same thing you get from Fast and Furious. You know all those action kind of grippy movies. And this one, it's no different. It's Man on a Ledge, starring Sam Worthington, Elizabeth Banks, Anthony Mackie, Jamie Bell, Jenison Rodriguez, William Sadler, and Ed Harris. All right. Decent cast. The director is Asgar Leith and the writer is Pablo F. Fagentes. <sighs> I looked them up, nothing. Nothing at all screams like they've been around the block. But I believe this movie has some merit. It, 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 it's an action thriller. I don't think you need to really go too far as to pull the heartstrings of the audience with an action thriller. I think it just needs to be entertaining. And what you do is you get a cast to sell it for you. The director and the writer, well, writers write shitloads of scripts all the time and a director just happens to be the one that puts the name to it. But in this particular movie, it seems to be Sam Worthington, our boy from Oz, who got this thing rolling. This kid is scared of heights and he read the script and... I don't know how that comes about, but I assume like Argo with Ben Affleck and they're trying to find a script for their ex-fill job that they've got in Tehran and they and him, Alan Ackman and John Goodman are going through all these scripts, one after another, blah, 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 finding out how much one's worth, what are the options on this one, blah, blah, blah. And Ben Affleck comes across a black book, of course, that's more noticeable. And written is Argo. And in it is the story that he's looking for to cover the six Canadians to leave the country as film directors. So in this movie, I'm assuming Sam Worthington must just be reading all these scripts from all these writers or maybe his manager or his public, I don't know, who, whoever in his team is reading them. And he comes along and goes, holy shit, man, man on a ledge. I'm scared to death of heights. I'd like a new challenge. Let's read further on. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. I like where it's going. It's got some twists. It's an action thriller. Let's do it. All right. Let's do it. And that's it. That's how this movie kickstarts from what I found out. Now, as I said, I've watched it a heap of, a heap of times, but now I just started watching it again and I'm halfway through it and I decided to press pause because I've got plenty of holes to talk about that a lot of other reviewers have mentioned just on brief um, brief investigations, as you could say, or reviews that I've just done. So the first, first issue I have with this movie opening scene is Sam Worthington's character. His name is Mr. Walker at first, but he's also Joel Cassidy or... Yeah, no, it is Mr. Cat. Let's just call him Mr. Mr. Cassidy, okay? 
Um, he enters the Roosevelt, Roosevelt Hotel in New York and he asks for a room and the girl at the reception says, or the manager says, oh, yeah, we have you staying here. Um, we've got a better room for you. And he's like, no, nah, I'll just stick with my room with the view. So they're trying to set you up for a suicide here. And he goes up with a bellhop. Or, I mean, concierge, I mean, bellhop takes up your stuff. But when this guy go, opens up the room, he doesn't have his bags. He doesn't have any bags. He, doesn't, he must be a concierge. I'm not sure. But that dude is played by William Sadler. And I noticed this. If you haven't seen this movie, watch it before I talk about it because I'm going to give a lot of a lot of the plot away. But I just want to mention key things about this early in the movie, bringing in a character like William Sadler in. Yeah, he's aged, but this dude is the major from the Die Hard 2 movie. He's in Eagle Eye. He's in... Disturbing behavior with Katie Holmes and uh, uh, Steve Marsden. And he's a phenomenal actor from back in the day, but I haven't looked into him. I'm not sure what he's doing now. But when you see a guy like that, you're thinking, oh, he's not an extra. He's crucial to the plot. Anyway, that's it. You don't, you, you don't see him for a little bit. And he sets the room up. Ask, Nick asks, Nick Cassidy, sorry, Nick Cassidy, not Joel. Joel is Nick Cassidy's brother. So Sam Worthington plays Nick Cassidy. Jamie Bell plays Joel Cassidy. And we'll get into that a bit later. He walks into the room and Nick Cassidy says, is it too early for champagne? As this bellhop is opening all the curtains, like that's their job. I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. And then it skips, completely misses that. And then we move on and I'm thinking... So he's eating a meal, he's sitting down, he wipes all the knives and forks clean and then proceeds to walk out on the ledge. It just seems too obvious at the start, right up, too obvious. No one, I don't remember anyone letting me into my room. Now this is in Australia, right? So when we go to our hotels, we, we, we are allowed to go up on our own, uh, I suppose the richer ones, if there's a bellhop or whatever, you, they deliver your your luggage to you and bring it in. But this guy just comes in and starts opening up the blinds. It's like, what if I fucking don't want the blinds open? What if I'm super tired? I'm wearing a trench coat, for Christ's sake. What if I have just got off a plane and I need to sleep? Did you ask me if I want the blinds open? So that part there is a little bit too obvious. I suppose I'm not going to give that away or anything to do with that scene away, as I said Spoiler alerts in this movie, but I believe that's just probably a bit too too silly. Um, they they give you a bit of a flashback just as this lady down on the ground notices that Nick Cassidy's out on the ledge, and then they just oh my god he's on the ledge he's about to jump, and then they flashback to a fight scene in a prison called Sing Sing. Now I don't know about you, but I always thought. Police officers, unless they're guilty of rape or murder or something completely heinous, that they go into gen pop. But from what I understand, at the start of this movie, he is in gen pop. He's an ex-cop. 
Nick Cassidy, Sam Worthington, ex-cop in Sing Sing Prison. One of the worst. And he's just there fighting off other inmates. He's got a broken arm. He's got a busted up lip. And he gets called into this office with some psych chick who just says, your last appeal got rejected, which I'm sorry. Who is she to fucking tell him that his appeal has been rejected? That's his lawyer's job. I mean, these are the holes we're talking about, people. Silly little mistakes in a movie like this. Either way, you're still intrigued. So this is, this is kind of clever, but she's just like, yeah, so, hey, you know, not many cops, uh, ex-cons or ex-cops like you can survive a 25-year prison sentence. I'm like, hold on, 25 years in gen pop? Mm, must have been pretty fucking bad. Anyway, so she starts asking me about suicide questions and have you thought about harming yourself? And he's like, no, but I've thought about killing. And I'm like, dude, what are you telling her that for? Well, you want to kill someone? Of course you do. You're an ex-cop fending for your life, defending yourself at all costs in a prison for the next 25 years. So, okay. That's just one of the weirdest scenes ever. I don't even know who this chick is. She doesn't say who she is. She doesn't say she's a cop. She's not a lawyer. She literally looks like a psychologist because she started asking about that kind of stuff. Um, he meets Anthony Mackie comes in to the visitor's room. They don't give you a time frame. You don't know what's going on. They'll try and fill you in later about how he ended up in prison. But Anthony Mackie comes into Sing Sing, dressed quite nicely, and Worthington's comment is, wow, new coat. And he's like, yeah, you know, blah, blah. Who are you dating? Oh, what's his name? Like a gay joke, like typical ex-partner type bullshit. I mean, his arm isn't even in a cast anymore. And I, I think I mentioned that just earlier when he was defending himself. He obviously had a broken arm or a broken wrist or whatever talking to the psychologist. And then not long after that, I don't remember seeing a timestamp that he's talking in a visitor room and his right arm is not in a cast anymore. I'm like, okay. Well, well, that was quick. Some years have passed. His partner says something that just basically just <laughs> fucking might as well stab him in the back. He just basically says, you know, hey, yeah, I've got a new coat because I met a new chick. And you know what? You got to move on in this world. I was like, bro, you're in a visitor room your old partner, and you just tell him, hey, man, yeah, you're in here, but you know what? I've got to move on. So, But he, he, he tries to care. That's what makes it hard because he's trying to care in this scene, but he says to him, you've got to move on. And he was like, I'm so sorry, man. He goes, hey, man, no, you're completely right, blah, 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 blah. And he goes, how's my brother? And he's like, well, that's the reason why I'm here because your dad's dying. How long has he got? Not long. Boom. They get, they get too close to each other on either side of the visitor screen, which, mind you, I don't know, but every movie I've watched that had some sort of visitor's room, the screens were never at chin level. Not even a bank has screens that low. And this is Sing Sing. And these guys are ex-cops or ex-partners, and as soon as they nudge a little bit forward to each other, the overlooking guard, prison guard, just goes, hey, he goes, oh, yeah. Worthington's comment to Mackie is got to keep our distance. No kissing. I'm like, what? 
This is a maximum security prison. I'm sure they don't have half security visiting rooms and maximum security visiting rooms. I, I don't know. I just suppose I've seen in some movies when they do have maximum security and they trust their their, their prisoners or whatever and they, they actually let them sit next to each other in a table. We know this looks like a this looks like a library room with a little half wall. I, I don't know. It, it just seems a little bit weird to me. Okay, that's that's it. Just clean it up a little bit, people, when you're doing a movie like this. Um, once we find out that the dad has died, previously in the scene, Mackie says, let me talk to the warden and we'll talk about getting you some time out of here so you can see your dad if he shall die, like he's preempting that. And all these holes are just telling you that this movie is not... It's not going down a standard path. It's going down. It's a setup path. Like the, this is all happening for a reason. It's all a bit pre-rehearsed, blah blah blah. And you're just like, okay, let's roll with it. And I thought, when his dad dies, and he gets told by a guard, then he's automatically allowed out. I didn't think there was any type of special privileges. Um, you know. Um, special treatment like you're in jail you're an ex-cop you're in here for 25 years and when your dad dies you're allowed out just because one of your ex-partners vouches for you I, I just don't think that works there's plenty of people that could vouch for any criminal but they won't be allowed out and even if they are allowed out like in this scene worthington's out he's just cuffed in the front he should be cuffed in the back right uh, he there's only two guards and Mackie is there with his girlfriend or his wife or whoever the fuck she is. And that's supposed to simulate some sort of connection between him and his ex-partner. He, he knows nothing about him. It just It's so weird. Very, very strange. And once Mackie says goodbye and his partner says, it was nice meeting you for finally, and they move on, it just it seems so strange to me. The, the Jamie Bell, who is um, Joel Cassidy, meets up with his brother Nick Cassidy in cuffs and they basically just start fucking insulting each other. <laughs> and, then, and then Joel just right hooks Nick and then they start wrestling and these fucking guards, weirdly enough, with no other backup, just the two of them, Apparently it's all good because you know what? He's an ex-cop and he's not going to escape. Obviously, they haven't heard the headlines that this kid thinks he's innocent. They just jump in and break him up. Worst thing you could probably do. I mean, I'm no cop, detective, no captain, no superintendent, but wouldn't you just pull your gun out and just put it up in the air and just go bang, 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 and then they'd stop fighting and say, fucking freeze. I don't know. Nick, get over here. No, instead they start wrestling the two kids. So Nick takes the gun off one of the guards, premeditated, already planned, and holds it at him, says, don't do it, Ronnie. You've got kids, remember? And that guy's like, okay. I don't know where that gun, he told him to toss it away, maybe, I can't remember. And then he says to his brother, I mean, you too, Joel, get on the floor. And dad would be proud, you know, all these insulting things. But you know... You know it was premeditated. You can tell. 
because the brother and him at the start, before they get into a, a bit of a fight, they overlook at the train line and you see trains going by. Like, I understand if you're looking at the train because it's, you know, you're trying to have a conversation, but the train's too noisy and you look over and go, fuck, man, I'm trying to say some shit. This bloody train's noisy. No, they look over at the train like that's your exit, okay? Just remember, when shit goes down, you got to go for that train. And mind you, earlier on, when they're burying their dad, the priest says a line, you can have a listen to it when you watch it, he says something about, having faith in yourself because at the end of the day that's that's all you have but they make eye contact between the priest and Nick Cassidy I'm like whoa 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 what why'd you look at him and why did he look up at you when you said that line like you're trying to tell him have faith in yourself because it's all going to work out so it's a good thing that you're doing speaking beyond the grave you don't need to throw those things in there for the people that understand how movies work. Those things, we pick up on them straight away and it can really destroy the movie, especially when you're watching this movie. You go, okay, I'm buying into it. I see what's going on here. He's in prison. Man's in prison. Um, seems innocent. Obviously, there's something going on. With, you know, he, he gets on a ledge and he gets in a hostage negotiator who's had a hell of a time in her career and she tries to help him but there's a sinister thing, not a sinister, there's an underbelly plan here. So that's fine. And we can get that just from reading the synopsis, uh, not the synopsis, but the just the general review of the movie when you go to hire it. And to flip over the back of it or look at the info and just go, all oh, right, cool, man on a ledge. Um, it's not what it seems. Cool, I'll watch it. Great. Action thriller, let's go. Elizabeth Banks, Sam Worthington, fucking let's go. It could be good. But they can't help themselves, I suppose. And maybe that's just the, the poor direction or maybe the poor writing, I'm not sure. He, he, when he escapes, he jumps into a car. He blows up. He shoots one of the tires on the other car so they can't follow him. Okay, that's cool. Okay, cool, cool, cool. They're in a cemetery next to a train line. He engages in a bit of a pursuit with some uh, local uh, police cars that seem to come from nowhere, chase him down, and... He makes a sprint towards those train tracks where there's massive industrial trains coming their way. And he, I mean, he only just makes it. Already we know there's a plan in the, in the mix right here, okay? This, this was a setup. It makes sense. But when he gets hit by the train, holy shit, the crash scene. I mean, I applaud the crash scene. Well done. It's great. You wouldn't fucking survive this crash. I'll tell you that now. I didn't see him put a seatbelt on whatever getting a little bit in depth but watch the crash the car literally gets hit for 180 turn collects on the front of the train goes up in the end spins sideways three times and lands the car is crushed and then of course he's not there Mackie rocks up what happened jamie's like or sorry joel cassie's like my brother just went crazy and he he's a fugitive and he's like holy shit man my brother's a fugitive. And I'm just like, man, could you be any more obvious? Like, he tried, Jamie tried to make it work. And look, I applaud him. He only could do what he could do with what he had in front of him, the script and that. But either way, you know, Nick's on the run now. He's got a container ship nearby with all the stuff that he has. It's all premeditated. You can tell now he's got 
stuff to wash his face, a photo of his family to make sure that you know his dad's dead, uh, motivation, money, IDs, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it was, it was a clever crash. I'll give him that. The They go back to present time while he's on the ledge and he also asks for Mercer um, while he's on the ledge. And she is looks like she's an alcoholic. She's got some pills and then she answers the phone yet. She doesn't have any alcohol when she's on scene. She doesn't have any pills. She's not a she looks fucking hot when she wakes up. It's just Elizabeth Banks. She plays the character really well. She looks hot. She's stunning. But she's got a bit of a past with negotiating. But she rocks up in a taxi on scene. A taxi. I've never seen that before ever. She is literally detective or lieutenant and she rocks up in a taxi even because she's not on, you know, she's not rostered on. But wouldn't they just send a unit around? Hey, this guy on the ledge, he's asked for you by name. How did he know? I know he's a jumper, so you don't want to push him, but okay, let's get Mercer in. Hey, Mercer, you needed. Get down here now. I'm not rostered on. But I know. Get down here. Hangs up. Classic American MO. Everyone hangs up. They don't say bye. Fucking shits me. She rocks up in a fucking taxi cab. Like, seriously? Oh, I don't know. Anyway, when she rocks up, she gets up there. She's looks like she's got a headache and she's struggling, but she has no Pepto-Bismol. She has no jet lag remedies in her. She looks okay to me, but they're trying to, let you know she's had a rough time. The funniest thing about this part is when she starts talking to him and trying to establish some sort of form of communication and the room's being, you know, whatever, set up in a way, there's a note, um, going out the same way I came into this world, innocent, classic, okay, so that doesn't sound like a typical suicide. A little bit too obvious again, thanks, Mr. Director, but we'll run with it. And when she starts talking to him on the ledge, this is where we start to really get let, like they really let us know that it is a setup and there's a reason why he's on the ledge. He's not going to jump. Okay. He's not a suicide. He's not going to jump. He's there for a purpose. And Jamie Bell, his brother, rocks up with his girlfriend, Genesis Rodriguez, and they say, We're here. And he's like, in, a, in some way, he's trying to get away from Elizabeth Banks while he's talking to him. And he's like, You're late. Like, throughout this movie, can you not just have code words? When you've got an earpiece in your ear and your brother starts talking to you about whatever he's going on or doing, just just have a fucking code word like, yeah, man, pussy. Or, yeah, this is high. Or, yeah, it's a, a slippery ledge. I don't know because Mercer's trying to talk to him and while his brother's talking to him in his ear, he's trying to converse with her incognito like in, in like a in a uh, cryptic manner so that you know i'm jump forward here in the movie but they find out there's a new sensor in this uh this building over the road that his brother's breaking into while he's on the ledge and he said oh it's a weird kind of sensor and then his brother says to mercer on the ledge oh sounds hot and she's like excuse me and he's like yeah Sounds like we need to cool this thing down, this thing you've got going on with me. Oh, man, you could do way better than that. That's so pathetic.
pathetic. Oh, but anyway, as I said from the start, I still love this movie. Sam Worthington's the man. Um, it it's just a action thriller. It's exactly what you need. Once you start connecting the dots, it it does change the movie. It gets a little bit annoying, and you go on and blah blah blah. I I don't want to go too much further with it. I'm literally only a quarter of the way in this movie. There's so much shit I could tackle. Ed Harris is in this film. Clearly the man is Ed Harris. The Rock. God damn it. General, what's his name? General Brigadier, Brigadier General Francis X. Hummel from United States Marine Corps. Ed Harris is in this film as an antagonist. And you just know shit's going to get real there. And at the start, I failed to mention to you before I had a problem with the bellhop. When Nick Cassidy comes up out of the subway, he walks straight past a gold and a diamond exchange. Goddamn big letters right there on the corner. Gold, diamond, exchange. Okay, so this movie turns out there's a diamond involved. A little bit. It's pretty simple. You don't need to tell us those things. It's a massive alarm. Why, why? Did you get money from the Golden Diamond Exchange for this movie? Is there some sort of back-end deal? I don't know. Just don't be that fucking obvious. There's like five things in this movie already 20, 30 minutes into this film that are obvious. You don't need to, you don't need to spell it out for people. Let us figure it out ourselves. We will, we'll, we'll, we're big kids. We can handle it. But in case you're stupid and you don't know how movies work, then let this director do what he's doing and let the script go. Just enjoy Sam Worthington, Jamie Bell, Elizabeth Banks. It's pretty cool. Mind you, she offers him a cigarette while he's on a ledge, which has some sort of back-end deal on it. Uh, she has like six or seven, maybe even eight cigarettes in the packet, and he says, no, thanks. And then when shit gets real on his end, he says, oh, how about that cigarette? And she goes, well, I'm going to have to share it with you. It's my only one. This dude's a detective. She doesn't know that he was an ex-police guy, even though he's dropping every hint under the sun. And let's not forget, let's not forget, this guy is an escaped convict, ex-police officer on a 25-year jail sentence, but they don't know who he is. He doesn't look like familiar at all. But they can tell, hold on, I think I wrote this down. Um, I do, yep, okay, no, it's not on that part. Obvious, reporter. It's, I just wrote it down and it was crucial. Oh, it's just so weird. Like, they've got, they figured out that, Ed Harris's character is someone of note, someone to to you know to to note, but they didn't figure out who he was on the ledge with all this camera crew, um, the helicopter, everything. It's just, mm, but I love it. I love it. There is twists everywhere, and you will figure it out at the end. But it's just. If you're smart enough, you will start looking at it and going, yep, knew that, I know that. One annoying, th- one, one cool thing I love about this movie is Jamie Bell, uh, outside of 
Sam Worthington's side of the movie. There's another side to this movie, and it's Jamie Bell and his partner, Genesis Rodriguez. They have this little – they have a like a connection. Clearly, they're boyfriend-girlfriend. Um, they're a little power couple. I don't know where they got their expertise from because the shit they do in the building opposite the ledge. Far out, man. I mean, dudes have been building bombs for for, for years and years before, before they figure out how to do this. This kid has some sort of expertise in bomb making, equipment, abseiling, laser, oh, just everything to do with being a pro thief or a grandmaster thief, whatever. I don't know, but he's got the skills and so does she. But they have this quirky little relationship that goes on and it's pretty funny. And just before he blows the roof and gets Sam Worthington's character to make a scene so they don't hear this massive explosion from a pipe bomb, he says to his girlfriend, it's not too late. You can back out now. And she's like, oh my God, I need, I can do this. It's fine. And I'm like, after watching this movie, he needed her ass. He couldn't do it without her. And same vice versa. She couldn't do things without him. It was a silly line. You don't need to do, you don't need to say that type of stuff. Like you're trying to be a noble boyfriend and protect your girlfriend. This is a family matter. I can go to jail, but I couldn't stand it if you do. But you couldn't have, you could, this plan is meant to succeed. You need her. You needed her the entire movie. But you said, just for the right, this is a writer's problem. It, this is your last chance to pull out. But she loves him, so she's going to stay and she really wants to be part of it. And I'm just like, oh my God. Woo! It's intense, but you know what? It's still a fun movie. It's filmed in New York. He's on a ledge. Sam Worthington's scared shitless for real because he's scared of heights, but he wanted to do it anyway. There's plenty to be had in this movie. I really do applaud the the actors and what they do and what they put out there. I think the writers probably wrote this and didn't really go over it again, but it was picked up anyway and made for what it was. I can't believe I just did 30 minutes on at least quarter, maybe just over a quarter of this movie. Wow. I should just tell you, it should just make you interested to watch this movie, just to see the holes, just to see how it's done. It's funny. It's still enjoyable. As I said, have a watch. Man on a Ledge, filmed in 2012. Sam Worthington, our boy, does his thing. He's got a mad mullet. Might as well be Johnny Farnham in a trench coat on the ledge of a building. Have a watch. It's a, it's a cool film and you'll have fun with it. Just, uh, yeah, check it out. As always, thanks for listening. Bye-bye.